Thank you. Well, I've got a question for you uh, as I begin, which is, did anyone at school do that funny thing where you had to plant a, a daffodil bulb? Is it just me? <laughs> you did. Oh, well, thank you. And when I was at school, when I was about seven, we, my twin sister and I, Laura, we, we were at this school, and you, you had to plant a, a daffodil bulb, and then you'd watch it grow, and it was, there was a competition to see who could get the best daffodil at the end, and it was really annoying, because I would plant my one, Laura would plant her one. Hers would always grow taller, and mature, and flourish, and thrive, and mine would always slightly look a bit lame and die, and it used to really annoy me all the time. And I'm telling you that because um, I'm finishing off looking at the book of Colossians, this series, and basically what's uh, happened is that, as you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's come to faith. Uh, He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's a very intelligent, gifted um, uh, Jewish man. And uh, he's come to faith. He's had an encounter with Jesus. And he spends his life speaking about Jesus. And he has been in Ephesus. I'm just reminding you if you don't know. And uh, he's led this guy called Epaphras to faith. And Epaphras has gone from Ephesus to Colossae. This is a letter from Paul to uh, Epaphras. And Epaphras has planted a church. And Paul is writing about uh, how this new church can uh, flourish and thrive and grow and be like a daffodil that um, is, is, is just grows tall. And obviously with James and Janie um, going off to plant, I thought it'd be good just to uh, look at these verses. So shall I read them? Are you ready? I'm going from uh, chapter 4, verses 2 to the end. And can I ask you, as you think about this, Paul is really just saying, um, bear bear these key things in mind. See if you can spot the key things he encourages this new church to do. So here we go. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with uh, Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that's happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it's also read in the church of of the Laodiceans and that you turn in turn read the letter from Laodicea. 
Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So I don't know what you make of that. What's amazing about Paul, he's come to faith. He's had this extraordinary encounter with Jesus. And he, he keeps his key messages, his key messages throughout his life. I don't know what your Christian journey has been, whether you kept your key messages, uh, your key messages. With uh, Theresa May finishing as prime minister, it's, I'm, I'm always interested to watch leaders, what they say at the beginning of their stint and at the end. And uh, whether that's Obama or uh, Cameron or uh, Theresa May, it's interesting. What's amazing about Paul, he always speaks about the same themes uh, over the course of his life. And the first thing he says, you know, if you want to thrive and flourish, do pray. That's an obvious thing. Be someone who prays. Uh, This is uh, obviously verse three and four. I remember when I came to faith, uh, a church leader, uh, I'd literally been a Christian about a week, church leader said to, pointed to this woman in the church and said, oh, that's Tamsin. She's a real woman of prayer. And I remember thinking, I don't even know what that means. It sounds a bit weird. Woman of prayer, what does that mean? And I met Tamsin and she was a skinhead at that time with DM boots and a shaved head. And uh, basically, uh, she told me about prayer and how she prays. And it was the most <laughs> extraordinary thing. Paul says, pray, whatever you do, pray. And notice he says, devote, that devote yourselves to prayer. It has that sense of uh, giving all your resources, all your energy to something or someone. Devote yourselves to prayer. He says, be watchful. And there's a sense that as we pray, we need to notice what's happening in our country, uh, politically, economically. Uh, we need to notice what's happening in Guildford as we pray, in our families uh, and in our own lives. We need to be watchful and notice. Paul also says, when you pray, be thankful. Make sure you're thankful. And I find this absolutely remarkable because he's in prison. Uh, as he's writing this, says, oh, thank God. Do be thankful, always thank God uh, for what he's doing. And uh, Paul, uh, over the course of his life, is persecuted, he's shipwrecked, he's flogged, he has a total nightmare, but he's just thank God, always thank God for who he is and what he's done in Jesus. And uh, he's not proud, he said, will you pray for us too, you'll see. He says, do pray for us too. And uh, he's not a sort of lone agent, I do things uh, on my own, he, he needs prayer. Um, what's he ask for prayer for? Well, he says, actually, what I need to pray for is uh, that God would open the door uh, for his message He said, I might be intelligent, I might be gifted, I might be the Pharisee of Pharisee, I might have had this powerful encounter with God, with Jesus. I've seen him face to face, for goodness sake. I fell off my horse, he blinded me. But only he can open the door uh, to what he's gonna do. Only he can open the door. And, uh, you know, as James and Janie go uh, off, I'll be praying that God opens the door, that God opens the door for you, that uh, he will do that only uh, he can do. And uh, therefore, as you think about this, uh, prayer is a priority. Paul would say, pray, pray, pray. If you want to be mature, if you want to flourish, if you want to go, make sure you pray. And I love Corrie Tam Boom's question. She says this, is your um, prayer life, uh, is it a steering wheel or a spare tire? Is it a steering wheel or a spare tire? Is it something that is guiding everything you do? Or is it something you just do uh, in crisis, so to speak? Praise is powerful. I love D.L. Moody. He said, um, every powerful move of God 
always can be traced back to someone somewhere kneeling and praying before God. So prayer is really, really powerful. And uh, actually, prayer goes hand in hand with action. I don't know if you heard of Henry Nguyen. Uh, he's this sort of famous spiritual writer. He's dead now. But I often go back to him, and he says this. He says, prayer always leads to action. And he says, he says prayer without action descends into powerless piety. But actually, action without prayer often ends up as sort of questionable manipulation. But he says anyone who spends time in prayer with a compassionate Christ inevitably lays down their life in acts of service. And that's what he does. He actually's had an encounter with Jesus. He's met Jesus. He's been transformed by Jesus. So he responds by laying down uh, his life. Are you with me so far? Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing uh, Paul says in these verses, if you're going to survive and thrive, if you're going to grow tall and flourish and grow like that daffodil, make sure whatever you do, you give, what, give away what you've received. Give away what you've uh, received. The spiritual life, you see, is we're blessed to be a blessing. God's poured stuff into us and we pour it away uh, to others. And uh, Paul basically, uh, in verses five and six here, talks about actually giving away Jesus and speaking about Jesus, being people who actually tell other people about the amazing Jesus. And he's obviously modeled that himself. Uh, He's come to faith. He's gone around the place talking about Jesus, setting up churches. He's uh, led Epaphras to faith, who's then planted this church. And Epaphras is going on and telling other people about Jesus. So there's this trickle uh, effect. And uh, what does he say? Well, he basically says, um, pray, uh, be, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. He says, as you do this, just be wise. It takes a bit of wisdom. In our culture, I think it takes a bit of wisdom. He says, uh, make the most of every opportunity. I was uh, with a taxi driver or in a taxi um, this week and uh, he said to me, what do you do? I said, I lead a church. He said, oh, he said, I'm not religious. It's not for me or that sort of stuff. It's the normal reaction I get. And I said, I'm not religious either. I've just got this friendship with God. And we had this conversation and uh, we had about a 20 minute taxi ride and he pulled up at the station. He said, uh, he said oh, I, 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 w- I could talk to you for hours about this. God, it's amazing, absolutely incredible. I said, I'm sorry, I've, <laughs> I've got to get a train. I've <laughs> got to get back to Bex and the boys have been away for a couple of days. But I thought I didn't make the most of that opportunity. Do you know what I mean? But Paul would say, make the most of every opportunity. Let our conversation always be full of grace. You know, sometimes uh, people think, oh, you know, um, Christians, they're a bit down on people or God is out to get us. But actually, be gracious as we speak. Be nurturing, be encouraging uh, as we speak. Let your conversation be seasoned with salt. And um, there's a big debate around what this means, but basically um, some people think it's about um, living differently, being countercultural. Tom Wright, he's a great theologian. He just says, look, whenever you talk about Jesus, this means just don't be boring, okay? Don't be boring. Don't make God sound boring and sort of dull, whatever you do. And I was at a funeral uh, on Monday this week, and there was a guy called uh, David Gibson who was a friend friend's father and I stayed with him and his wife the night before Bex and I got married he was my best man's father-in-law is this um, 
Is this uh, confusing? Hopefully you can follow that. And uh, anyway, it was interesting at the funeral. He was an amazing man, but what he did, he, he made the most of every opportunity. And he spoke a lot about Jesus and had this passion and fire about Jesus. And interestingly, um, people at his funeral didn't say, oh, you know, that was a bit weird or that was a bit embarrassing or it was a bit awkward. He did that in, in these times. And everyone really admired him for that and said he was just very gifted at that. And I know, James and Janie, you're, you are people who speak about Jesus. Uh, the people of Rochdale are going to uh, hear about Jesus, some of them because of, of you being there. And that's really, really exciting because when we encountered Jesus, as, as Paul did, our lives are totally changed changes everything, changes our past, changes our present, and changes our future. This is the most powerful thing you can give anyone, Jesus. And then he says also, work at it so that you may know how to answer everyone. I was talking to someone else this week, and he was grilling me about my faith, and I was just struggling. To, you know, do you ever have that where you think, oh, how, what should I say? How do I say? I don't know about you in these situations. I always feel a bit anxious and get a bit sweaty and nervous. And what should I say? That I, it's quite hard. But you, something Paul would say, work at it. Work at it. Just think, think things through. Work at it. And in September, Jens is going to be doing a course to help us to uh, speak more effectively about our faith. So um, this is what Paul says. Pray, give away what you've received. Uh, and especially speak about Jesus. Just keep giving away what you've received. And um, thirdly, are you ready for the third thing? It says this, as you do God's work, work with other people. Always do God's work with other people. I'm not going to read again all those names between verses 7 and 18, but I counted out nine people that Paul mentions. And it sounds like a a story from Asterix or something, the names. It's sort of Tychicus, uh, Onesimus, uh, Aristarchus, Mark, Justus, Epaphras, Luke, Demas, Archippus, you know, all these funical, funny classical names. But what Paul is doing is saying, you know, I didn't do this on my own. And actually, if you're going to survive, if you're going to flourish, you've got to follow Jesus closely with other people in community because uh, you just can't do it on your own. And I love that story. I heard this uh, when I came to faith of uh, there was a man in the Falkland Islands uh, at a church. It was a small little church. He stopped going to church, so his church leader came round to his house, little cottage in the middle of nowhere, knocked on the door, and he said, can I come in for a cup of tea? And um, they had a cup of tea, and the man eventually said, you know, well, why have you come to visit me? And this church leader um, went up to the fire, got some tongs, pulled out a coal out of the hot fire that was glowing red hot and he just put it onto the grate and he just watched it and the coal just sort of lost its heat, lost its light, lost its warmth, lost its vibrancy and then started to smoke and and then he walked out. But the man knew what he was talking about. He said, you've got to be in community with other people. You've got to be in the fire of the community of faith if you're going to have any chance of, um, you know, walking on and following Jesus. 
So what Paul cleverly is doing here, he's actually, if you, if you look at the history of these names, he's actually introducing the community where he's in prison in Ephesus to the community, this new community in, um, I was going to say Rochdale, I was looking at you, uh, in, in Colisee. But, you know, uh, we've got to have that community connection with Rochdale and here and I'm sure other people. But actually that's what he's doing. And he's, he's saying together we're stronger. We're together we're stronger. You know, if you, is anyone good at sewing? Have you, ever, have you ever got one of those, um, I'm, t- I'm hopeless, but if you get a, a string of cotton, you can just break it, easy. Even I can do that. I'm weak. I can do that. I can break cotton. But, but actually, if you stitch two bits of cloth together quite carefully, it's imp- it's, you can't rip them apart. And this is Paul's point. We need to be people who follow Jesus in community because actually uh, it's going to be joyful. It's going to be amazing. It's also going to be really tough. It's going to be really hard. There'll be some times when you feel like giving up. There'll be other times when it's really tough. But in community, we can journey together. And uh, we need each other, he would say. And the thing he's saying here is we need people to express their gifts and express the gifts that God has given them. Um, and all these people have different gifts. And it's great because the community as well, it's clear, is a real community. You know, he's fallen out with some of these people. John Mark, he's fallen out with other people. But actually, he's saying community is really, really important. So I think that's the main sort of thrust of what he says. And what I want to do is just encourage us over the summer to have a break. And uh, what we're doing as a church is uh, we're setting ourselves afresh in September for the next season ahead. And I know uh, our vision to love God, love people, make a difference. Can you remember what we did back in March maybe or April? We actually asked everyone in the church to pray and think about where we were going uh, in this next season. And uh, if you came to the APCM, you know we had cards. We also asked people to fill out cards. And basically, you guys, the whole church across all the services, said as we think about the next season, four priorities have emerged. Are you ready? The first one was basically uh, that we need to keep building our community life together. We've got to keep building our community life together. The Apostle Paul would say, hallelujah to that. Keep doing that community is so important. Second thing uh, that was really loud and clear was as a church we've got to uh, connect more intentionally with our local community and of course everyone lives all over the place that's, that's, that's not uh, denying uh, that but actually we've got to really uh, speak about Christ, uh, show his love in practical acts of service to people in our neighbourhood. Uh, that's really, really important. The third thing you said was we've got to pray more. And then fourthly, we've got to keep growing in our discipleship. So on the uh, PCC Day Away, we have one of those every year. We, we talked about this stuff. We draw up all these plans and there's lots of courses, lots of events, lots of ideas. And then one of the PCC said, um, thing is, why are we doing this? Why are we actually here? And everyone went silent. <laughs> Why not tell the person, uh, why, why are you here? Why did you come? Why are you part of the church? What are we trying to do here? Why are we here? 10 seconds, just tell the person next to you, why, why do you think we're here? Most of us on the PCC weren't too sure, by the way, so don't, don't, don't feel stressed out at this point. But why do we come to church? Why, why, what are we doing?
Any, any, does anyone want to shout out what you come up with? Why, why are we here as Christians? What are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Have you all gone shy? Uh, we love Jesus. Yeah, it's always good. It's, it's a safe option, isn't it? Jesus. <laughs> anything, anything else? For support, yeah. Anything else? Restoration. Peace, rest. Say that again. Adding value, yeah. Love of our fellow men and women community. Do you want to say that again, sorry? Family. Do you want to hear the, how the PCC answered this question? They said, we are here to actually, through the power of God, bring transformation to Guildford and beyond. That's the call on our lives as Christians. We're, tran- we're transformers. Uh, we can't do much in our own strength, but we can actually co-partner with God and bring transformation. That, that's why we come. That's why we're here. That's why we run courses. That's why we're in life groups and pods, because actually we're seeking to bring transformation and give our lives away for the sake of other people. And so how are we going to do that? This is what we're going to be speaking about in September. Three things. First, we're going to build our family life. We're going to keep building family and do going deeper into the life of community. We're going to seek to, how can we more effectively shine brightly? Jesus is the light of the world. The Apostle Paul, we read about him today. Uh, Thousands, millions of Christians around the world will probably be reading some of the letters he's written this morning because he shone brightly for Jesus and uh, sought to honour Jesus with his life. How can we be people who do that and speak about him in our local communities, in the communities we find ourselves in, and and show his love? And then thirdly, we're going to uh, seek to really engage wholeheartedly in expressing our gifts, like Paul has said, to this this new church in Colossae. How can we express our gifts, uh, bring to the table what God is calling us to bring, And when we do that, we'll see increasing transformation. So are you excited about that? I said, are you excited about that? So uh, that's what we're doing in September. Amen.